0: What a blessing, what a blessing, what a blessing it is to be in the house of God. I'm telling you, there's no better place to be than the house of God. Because when you're in the house of God, man, it makes the rest of the week better. Am I the only one that believes that? I don't know about you, but if I ever have to miss church, it messes up my week. Even for a good reason. Even if it's something that was, you know, not just laying out reason. Huh? I'm talking about when you miss, when church is important to you, when your church family is important to you, you gotta be in the house of the Lord. I'm like David. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. What a year. What a year this has been. It ain't over, but I'm gonna tell you, it's winding down. What a year. There's so much stuff's happening this year that that truth be known, if you were to go back and just Start in January and look at the things that this country has endured. Things that your family has endured. That the church has endured. There is a ton of things that you have already forgotten that happened this year. You've already forgotten them. It feels like five years has happened in this one year. Am I right? But it would be good for you to remember some of the things That you said at the beginning of this year. If you've got a way to go back and look at notes. From early sermons that I preached in January and February. Not knowing this was coming. Go back and look at them. Because God knew this was coming. And if he put that in your heart in January and February. Knowing this was coming. Then he wanted that to happen in your life. Oh my God are y'all hearing me. Whatever you proclaimed over your family at the beginning of this year is still intact. Did y'all eat your Wheaties this morning? Huh? I said, whatever you proclaimed at the first has affected the rest. Whether you realize it fully or not. But what a year in the midst of everything that's happened, in the year that we proclaim the year of clarity, the year of perfect vision, 2020. Think about it. There can only be one 2020 in the history of humanity. Think about it. I mean, for generations, people waited for the year 2000 to get here. Hmm, They partied like it was 1999. 2000 coming... And left us, the next thing people was talking about for 20 years thinking about was 2020. And churches would start talking about it back in 98 and in 99. 2020 is coming. Perfect vision is coming. But some of us have allowed the devil to steal what we hoped 2020 would be. Oh, I'm preaching better than you shout. Hold up just a second, bro. Hold up. Depression is on the rise. Suicidal thoughts are on the rise. Financial chaos and ruin in many families are on the rise. Uncertainty is certainly not on the the rise. It's here. While people are counting down the days for the end of 2020, they are gripped with fear. Of what 21 will bring. Because you're being told by the so-called experts. That 2020. Was just the beginning. More things are coming. More waves are coming. More industries have been changed forever. The new normal is here. You're not going to get to go to movies anymore. You're not going to get to. Dine out the way you used to dine out anymore, even after this is gone. This is what they're saying. They're now saying that you need to start shopping for masks in every time we go into the winter season, as we start moving into winter clothes. This is what they're saying on the media. I've witnessed it several times already said that starting next year, you are now going to see that there will be racks with masks on them that come in with winter clothes. When you see long sleeve shirts from now on, they'll be on a rack next to a rack where you can shop for masks. Because now, from now on, they want you to think of a mask as a part of your seasonal clothing. For the rest of your life. Are y'all hearing me? This is not against mask right now. But I got a problem with you telling me I'm gonna have to wear a mask every winter for the rest of my life. I wish I had a church. But that's what they're saying. So it's up to you what you determine your future is going to look like. How many knows the Bible tells us we have the power of life and death in our tongue? We have the power to call those things that are not as though they were. We have the power to lay hands upon the sick. And they shall recover. Listen, there are churches, large churches, that pastors have already said in the pulpit, from now on, no matter what happens in the future of this pandemic or future pandemics, we have now said we will be a handshake and side hug free zone. We will never shake hands again. Well, let me ask you a question. If I can't ha- shake your hand in church, how am I going to lay hands on you when you're sick to pray for you? How am I going to anoint you with oil? How am I going to Isn't that what he said? You shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. He said that before the bubonic plague. He said that before the Spanish flu. He said that before, come on measles. He said that before COVID. He said that before H1N1. He said that before the bird flu. He knew all those were coming and we all gotta be smart and we all gotta be safe, but we can't let the devil's sickness stop us from the great commission well this ain't on my notes but I just felt like I need to get it out I want to remind you to encourage yourself in the Lord David lost everything David came back from the battle and every wife and every child was taken. Every home was burned to the ground. They had just come back from winning a battle they on top of the world. Then they got back and everything that he and everything that every soldier that served with him loved and cherished was burned to the ground and taken from them. The same men that had been there along his side to fight, when you lose everything, how many knows? those, when somebody comes in and attacks your family, you change your outlook. Huh? I tell you what, you come in my house and mess with my wife, mess with my kids or my grandbaby. Y'all just go ahead and figure. I, I will probably help you meet your maker, pray in tongues while I'm doing it. Sorry. I don't care if you think that's love or not. I knew a guy one time, he said, you come in and mess with my family. Me, this, this ain't biblical. This ain't right, but it's funny how he said it. He said, he'd say, you come in and mess with my family, me and God's got an arrangement. I'll just look up to him and I'll say, Lord, I'm going to check out for about 20 minutes. I'll be right back. Just give me 20 minutes, God. I'll be right back to the man I used to be. I got to go kill somebody. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, he said it online. But you change your mindset when people mess with your kids and your family. So they turned on David, and he could see in their eyes, they're going to kill me because they blame me for what just happened. The Bible said fear started trying to grip the heart of David. But David was a man after God's own heart. He knew what he needed to do. So while they're all looking at him, read your Bible. He just sort of just looks at him and just sort of walks backwards. I love you, man. Appreciate you, bro. See, see, I'll be back in just a few minutes. He just starts slowly sliding till he gets away by himself. And the Bible said he got himself alone and David encouraged himself in the Lord. Let me know, sometimes you gotta get away from all the mess. Sometimes you've got to turn that stinking TV off. Sometimes you got to put that phone down. Sometimes you've got to get in a room by yourself, turn everything off, and encourage yourself in the Lord. i got news. Sir. Some of y'all need to step back while 2020 is still here and encourage yourself in 2020 in the Lord and let the Lord remind you that the promises of God and the answers of the Lord are yes and amen. And God, what he said in January, February in February he's not a man that he should lie you still need to hold on hold on somebody shout I'm going to hold on shout it again I'm going to hold on to the promises of God but people ain't doing that church attendance has taken a hit recent data show among Christians, practicing Christians, meaning, I hate that word, but that just, I don't want to practice it. I want to actually live it. Now, how many knows? I don't want a doctor that's practicing either. I, I don't want to be what he practices on. I, that's a joke. I understand what it means. Those who identify as a Christian is what that means. Agree strongly that faith is the very important in their lives and attend church at least monthly. Prior to COVID-19. This is from barnard.com the top leading uh, expert on research of church trends. This is is of people who attended church at least once a month and were actively involved in serving at least once a month in their church prior to COVID-19. Over half, 53%, say they have streamed their regular church online within the past few weeks of this survey, meaning literally only... 3% 3% over half was 53%, basically half of people who, it'd be like everybody at Solid Rock Church that called this their church. The, the pandemic started where we went streaming only and only half of you even chose to even watch. That's what the survey says. Says that they have streamed their regular church online within the past four weeks. Another 34% admits to streaming a different church service online other than their own. So within a few weeks they were already church hopping online. Finally and this is the most disappointing statistic is one third of those surveyed who were actively connected to a local church, 32% now say they have done neither of these things. They are not watching or attending anywhere. They have left the church. One third of people who attended church in February, no longer attend, watch or are actively connected to anybody. And I'm going to tell you, I believe in some regions of this nation, it's probably dramatically higher. That's probably accurate of the Bible belt. when you get above the Bible belt, it was already the majority of the population had already checked out the church. Of course, this has affected the way people not only attend and serve, but it has affected the way they give. I told you last week that no matter what comes, no matter what attacks, if you will finally get the revelation to be two different things in your life, these two things will bring you through anything. Number one, understand what it truly means to be a praiser. I'm not talking about somebody who responds to a song on a Sunday morning. I'm talking about a praiser. A praiser will praise God in their kitchen when nobody's watching. A praiser will drive down the road and praise God when nobody even knows the music's even. And a praiser don't even have to have music to praise. Come on, y'all hear me. A praiser gets a a negative report from a doctor and he starts dancing in the Holy Ghost because he knows greater is he that's within him than he that's within the world. He believes the report of the Lord. A Praiser will praise through any style of music. Just because you don't listen to this style of music in your car, just because you don't get ready to this kind of music, don't mean you can't praise to this music when you're here. Because it ain't about the style. It's about who we're giving glory to. Some church, some church folk won't even go to a church unless the preaching style the singing style the, the, the dress style everybody's style fits their style well how about you quit trying to get the church to fit you and you decide to fit the church you need to learn how to be a praiser And the second thing is, the one y'all don't like to shout on too much, is you need to truly learn how to be a giver. If you ain't a giver, I'm going to tell you, sometimes you you, got to praise your way out of a situation. But sometimes you got to give your way out. I've been in situations where I was praising, I was praying, I was slobbering all over myself, and the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. Had people I've been laying hands on me so many times, like a grease pig at a county fair. Come on, somebody! I'm talking about my hair was soaking wet with oil. my I got all all over my clothes, all this kind. But I still was facing the situation until I planted a seed and sowed that seed, and I gave my way out of that situation. I don't care if you agree with me or not. If you don't agree with what I just said, then I'm talking to you because you ain't a giver. Welcome to Christmas month at Solid Rock. All I'm trying to do is teach you how to be like God. For God so loved the world that he gave. God is a giver. We're celebrating the greatest gift that was ever given to mankind. The gift of Jesus Christ. Many of our problems in our relationship with our spouse, with our children, with our happiness, with our joy, is tied to our relationship with money. Well, is this new sound system working? Glory to God. I just feel like I need to bind some, I bind some spirits right now. I bind you, devil, religious spirit, trying to nitpick and come against what I'm saying. I'm trying to help the body of Christ. Devil, you are a liar. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray every mind shall be arrested by the Holy Ghost right now. Their attention spans shall be paid attention to what their pastor is saying, and they will be teachable today in Jesus' name. Money. It's going to blow your mind. I ain't got this scripture in my notes today. But do you know that the Bible says in the Old Testament, it says, A feast is made to make men merry, but money answereth all things. Money answereth all things. You say, well, wait a minute. Money don't answer all things for me. My God answers all things for me. Okay, I know, super Christian. I understand. Super, super spiritual man and woman of God, I, I'm sorry to offend you. I, I forgot that God was supposed to be everything to me. No, what it means is I don't care how Holy Ghost anointed you are, go through the drive-thru at McDonald's today, order you a Big Mac combo when you get up to the front of the window and they tell you how much the Big Mac combo is going to be, look at them and say, I'm a child of God, I'll take it for free. Because my God is able to supply exceedingly abundantly above everything I could ever ask or think. They're going to say, well, I'm really glad that your God is that good, but you still going to owe us some money for this Big Mac combo. Huh? You want to you want to build churches? It's going to take money. You want to plant? You want to sow into missions? It's going to take money. You want to put shoes on the feet of babies up in the mountains of Cusco, Peru? It's going to take money. In fact, it's going to take five thousand dollars just to buy three hundred pairs of shoes to take them up that mountain to put them on those babies' feet. They don't just give those shoes away. You're going to need money. So one subject that brings the most chaos in our life and it is the one subject that we don't like our preacher to talk about. Excuse me, I'm going to wipe all this COVID out. No, I ain't got no COVID. I ain't got the Rona. All right. What was I saying? Money! Money! Don't you know Jesus said in his word? That the love of money is the root of all evil. You say, well, I don't love money. Well, if you ain't a giver, number one, the first thing you need to realize that that you didn't think you were is a liar. Because if you ain't a giver, you can't say you don't love money. I'll drink to that. Because a giver gives and is not in love with money. But if you don't give, you're in love with money. I'll say, I'll show you what I mean in just a minute. You might shocked you to know that Jesus talked more about money and materialistic things than he did any other subject. Including heaven including hell, including salvation, including the Holy Spirit. He talked more about money and materialistic things than he did any other subject. How many knows if God talked about the subject more than any other subject, you ought to let your pastor talk about it once or twice a year without getting offended, without checking out. Some of y'all done left the live stream. You, can't even, you don't even know what I'm saying because you already got mad because you thought, okay, it's another money-hungry preacher. He knew, God knew, Jesus knew the one thing, money, would bring such strife in our lives. That it would And could also bring such blessings in our lives as well. I want to read to you a scripture from the New Living Translation. I love what it says in Matthew 6, 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted one to one and despise the other. For you cannot serve both God and money. Hold that up there on the screen. For no one can serve two masters. For you will hate the one and love the other, devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I like what the uh, message version of the Bible says. We don't have that. But it says, you cannot serve both God and the bank. In other words, is it strange to you as we look at that scripture that we know there's really only two entities that we actually serve? We serve God or we serve the devil? right money's not a devil because the same 20 dollars bill can take care of orphans or can buy somebody another hit on a drug that ends up killing them same 20 dollars bill but it says the nature of man is going to choose to serve god or money King James calls it mammon, and, and, and Jesus goes on to say about mammon, this is what Jesus said, if you cannot be found faithful in the unrighteous mammon or money, how then shall you be a partaker of the true riches or the favor of God? You want the favor of God on your life first, and then you want to be faithful in the mammon. God says you've got to be faithful to the mammon first, and then the favor of God is on you. Wait a minute. You thought, you thought just cause you're a child of God, the favor of God was on you? Let me tell you something. The favor of God is not just reserved for people who are saved. The favor of God is reserved for those who have been faithful to God's word. Grace is available to everybody that's been saved. Unmerited favor, meaning you didn't deserve to be saved. You are saved. But I'm talking about favor that's better than money. I'm talking about favor that will open doors that no man could shut. That's for those who's doing what he told us to do. I'm preaching about you shouting. 11 37. Delaney Michelle. I'm telling you, if we're going to do what God has called us to do, not just as a church, but as the church, we need the church to get the mind right about finances. There is, without a doubt, an all out attack against the local church and its influence. This, at this moment in society. How many knows? It seems like it's one thing after the other. And if you take the time to be spiritually awake to, to what is going on and listen to the things that are being said without being said. Are y'all hearing me? Reading between the lines is what the old folks used to call it. You'll begin to perceive, you'll begin to hear that Every wave of these things that are being spoken by the experts, number one, are being spoken by people 90%, I feel confident saying, who have zero belief in any kind of God. So so their advice is coming from a purely secular, no God influence whatsoever. But if you'll read between the lines, you'll find out that ultimately the organization that is ultimately going to take the greatest hit is is the local church. Because it is in the local church where people hug, people shake hands, people sing. People, let's be real, when they sing, they spit. If you have a pastor like me, it's one of the reasons I moved my pulpit back right here. Not saying that I've not even spit that far before, but it's safer zone right here for the front row. When I was up there, it was spit central. I mean, people had to, people had to wear raincoats up here. But people sing. People get excited. People shout. We fellowship together. But we're being told not just, listen, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about right now. What before the vaccine and all this kind of stuff with another discussion, but what I'm saying is we're being told never again. We're not being told be safe now. We're being told learn up here to never let yourself go back there again. Oh, I'm preaching good. I hope y'all come back next week for our Christmas celebration. It's going to be sweet and awesome. So I'm just going to get this out of the way so we can just... We can sing songs and be sweet and innocent next week. I'm going to talk about a couple of principles over the next 20 minutes. Y'all ready? Here we go. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm at right now. Only a handful of people even know where I'm at right now. Only the folks that was raised the right way know where I'm at right now. And if you don't know where I'm at right now, ask an old person. Up, over, and up. How many knows where I'm at right now? The earth was built and established on a principle. That principle is the principle of sowing and reaping. Seed time and harvest. In fact, in the, in the new, in the, in the, in the Garden of Eden, when, when God created everything, created man, went all the way through, man fell, we know what happened, we, we know the whole story of the Garden of Eden, the fall of man, we know the, the curse that was spoken, all those things, you've heard them a thousand times if you go to Solid Rock Church. But what many times people skip right over in the book of Genesis, in the creation of the Garden of Eden, is the proclamation that the Lord said this, that as long as the earth remains, There will be seasons of summer, spring, winter, and fall. And then it goes, as long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest shall also remain. So that means as long as this place called earth exists, there is a founding principle that cannot be taken away or broken no matter what happens out there or no matter what you even think. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. Seed, time, and harvest. Amen. How many of if, if you want more joy in your life, you need to be more joyful Amen. to other people. You need to, whatever you sow, that shall you also reap. Amen. If people are being mean and you on the job, then you need to be kinder to them. It goes against human nature. Hammen knows if you love corn and you want to grow your own corn, what are you going to have to plant? Corn. You can't plant okra if you wanted corn. Because if you plant okra, you're going to get okra or okri, depending on if you're from Walker County or not. See, for years all I could do is bash Blunt County, but now I got Walker County folks. So now I can go back to Walker County. What do y'all call it in Walker Walker County? Fried. Fried. (laughs) Make sure it's fried okra. Don't you be bringing no raw okra in my house. (laughs) I love it. See, whatever you want to reap, you've got to sow that. So, it should be a simple principle and I think ultimately we all really understand that in the natural but we don't really want to accept it in the spirit realm. We want our pastor to tell us what needs to be done in our life for us to be saved, delivered, healed, pray for the salvation of our spouse that we want to know everything but we don't want him to hear we don't want to hear him telling us about us needing to be faithful in our giving. Oh, I'm preaching good. See, the first sin, I, 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 excuse me, the first sin, of course, was, was, was Adam and Eve. But the first uh, uh, generational sin that happened after that, that we at least know of that was recorded, was when Cain killed his brother Abel. Y'all remember that story? Cain killed his brother Abel. But what you've got to understand is you've got to go back to the beginning of that story. The, the, the death came as a result of two different mindsets. The Bible says Cain brought an offering. Okay, that's good. But Abel brought the firstborn. He brought the very first thing that came in, he brought it to God. Cain just scraped up something that was left after he got through eating. And he felt good about himself that he had brought an offering. But Abel said, I'm not going to eat until I give God what is God's first. See, the difference of the mindset is you, you got one group in the church that believes in giving, but they want to give God something after they ate. Well,. Then you got another group that says, I don't even want to eat nothing until I'm obedient to God first. See, Jesus came and died on the cross, but he died on the cross for more than just our salvation, folks. It was. That's just the beginning. He died so that, that we could be saved, so we could be delivered, so that we could be healed. John 10.10 10 says the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come, I have come, I have come that they might have life and to have it more abundantly. It is the mission statement of God. It is the mission statement of God. I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. See, God is trying to tell us. He don't want us just to live. He wants us to be blessed. He don't want you just to survive. The Amplified Bible says it this way, John 10 says, I came that they may have, may have and enjoy life. I love that. That he may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. Huh? People think, people say, people imagine they will be a giver when they have enough to give and still be able to provide for their family. We have convinced ourselves that if we have enough provision, then we'll give to the vision. Oh, no, 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 no. Without a vision, the people perish. Not without provision, the people perish. If you got a vision, then God brings the provision after you lock into the vision. He don't bring the vision once you've made enough of provision. Y'all get that later. In fact, I try to remind y'all of this every year. I remember the first time I said this was in the hay barn, and I think I need to say it again. We're so worried about having enough provision to be faithful in what God has called us to do. This is the statement. We don't have a provision problem. We have a revelation problem. Huh? Huh? We don't have a provision problem. We serve a God who owns the cattle of a thousand hills. We serve the, you can trust in chariots and horses, but I'll trust in the Lord. I, my God is the God that spoke to nothing and nothing had to bow to his word and become something. If he needed a tree, he spoke a tree. That's the God I serve. He's got more change in the cushions of his couch than you will make your whole life and you worry worried about provision. Some of y'all say work for, for six months, eight months, a year, so that you can buy a little ring of gold with a diamond on top of it to ask that sweet thing to marry you. I had to put mine on a payment plan. I paid that, I put that thing in layaway. The first thing I ever bought in my life. I paid on that thing. And when I gave it to my wife, it was paid for. I didn't have the money to go buy that thing. I put it on a payment plan and in layaway. It was the proudest moment of my life, and I slid that. And I, found, I say I was proud, but I was also ashamed because it wasn't what I wanted to give her. I couldn't afford what, what she 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 talked about. She loved the marquee diamonds and all this kind of stuff. But I'm just be honest. with you all I could do is buy her a cluster of little tiny diamond rings, little diamonds in there to make up one carat. I couldn't afford to buy one carat, so I bought, I bought a bunch of little ones and I all added up to a carat. Am I right? Did you still love it? Did you still love it? Okay, all right. So, (laughs) did you notice that that dramatic pause there? (laughs) What I'm trying to say is, we worked for months to go buy a little strip of gold. God says it's asphalt where I live. I got so much of it; I use it for asphalt. The Bible says. The streets are paved with gold. And you worried about provision. No, we need a revelation. See, here's a simple revelation that you need to get in the next 10 minutes, and that is this. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. Give, and it shall be given. Whatever you sow, that shall you also reap. See, some people believe that first fruits, have we got that title slide? Let's put it up there. First fruits is the tithe, but it is not the tithe. It is not the tithe. In fact, first fruits, tithe, and offerings are three distinct different things with God. Nehemiah tells us that in Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 44. It says, At the same time, some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouse. Somebody say, rooms. Over the rooms of the storehouse, which is the church, has rooms. It says, the rooms of the storehouse, for the offerings, comma, for the first fruits, comma, and for the tithes, comma. To gather, let's put that scripture up there, Nehemiah 12, 44. To gather them into, from the fields of the cities and the portions specified by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. Now look at it. It says, at that time, there were people in the storehouse appointed to overlook the rooms, plural, of the storehouse. One room for offerings, one room for first fruits, one room for tithes. These are three different things. Tithe. What is a tithe? 10%. A tithe is not 8%. A tithe is not 3%. A tithe is not 9.5%. A tithe is 10%. Tithing envelopes are not magical. You can't get a tithing envelope and put 6% in it and all of a sudden God says, well, you know, they, they did put it in a tithing envelope, so I'll call it a tithe. You might feel better about yourself to call it a tithe because everybody saw you drop a tithing envelope. But if it ain't 10%, it's not a tithe. Now, he's thankful. We're thankful that you're being obedient in something. But if you're trying to think that you're a tither and you're not bringing 10%, you're not a tither. What is offering? Offering is any gift, get the word here, above the tithe.